Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 98. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Do you love vintage cars? Then go to CarsYeah.com and get a free copy of the fantastic Filler Up book. It's a full-color ebook filled with fuel filler fun with over 60 color photographs of vintage cars plus inspirational quotes from some of the most famous automotive enthusiasts of all time. Simply go to CarsYeah.com, click on the free book button on the homepage, and download your Filler Up book today. It's free at CarsYeah.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today I'm excited to introduce a very special guest, Nicola Wood. Nicola, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? You bet. All right. I'm really happy to have you here. Nicola Wood is a graduate of the Royal College of Art in London. A Fulbright scholarship brought her to Parsons School of Design in New York where an insti- and instigated a one-woman exhibition there. A move to California and its automotive culture influenced a series of automotive-themed oil paintings that became her passion. Nicola has won the Peter Helk Award twice, along with many other awards and accolades. Her paintings hang in private collections around the world and have been shown in galleries across America and on the lawn at Pebble Beach during the Concours d'Elegance. She's a member of the Automotive Fine Arts Society, and she's a magic realist painter who sees the unusual in the usual, and her passion for automobiles comes through in her work. So, Nicola, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a little bit of time and share some more about your history, your career as a painter, your interests, and, of course, your passion for automobiles? Thank you. Yes. (laughs) I was born in northern England. There were no cars on the road. I went most places on my bicycle or on a double-decker bus. There were no art galleries or museums. There was one movie house called The Odeon, where I went every Saturday morning and watched American movies. That is why I live here now. They had such an effect on me. Today's movies would not have the same effect, (laughs) I don't think. Sure. When I was 15, I went to Southport School of Art. This was miraculous. My art teacher at my first school I had left five years earlier, Mr. Asbridge, he told my mother he'd made arrangements for me to get an interview at Southport School of Art with the principal. That blew me away. (laughs) I hadn't heard of or seen Mr. Asbridge for five years, and he kept me in his mind so that I could go to art school. I mean, he kind of rescued me. Mm -hmm. So when I was 15, I went to Southport School of Art. And I had the best time and the best escape from my life that I've ever had. I left home at like 15 and a half to 16. The Southport was like 10 miles from where I lived. Mm-hmm. And I actually left home, took a room in a lady's house to pay my rent, which was not very much. I went to work in a movie house. I worked selling ice cream. I had a one of those... Um, trays around my neck and I walked up and down the aisles passing out ice cream and peanuts and all that stuff 
One of the great things about doing that was I got to watch James Dean in John Steinbeck's film every night. And, of course, I fell, fell for him madly <laughs> and identified with him. Many young women did. Yes, I'm sure, but I thought I had discovered him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so I became an instant fan and have been ever since. I, I think his movies are great. We had the best curriculum for studying at that school. It was amazing. I wanted to paint, but being a girl and one that, who did what I was told, I was always told as a child, you know, to, I should be seen and not heard, mm-hmm. which was a drag. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Consequently, I was put into fashion design. I switched to textile design because it was more like painting, you know, lots of color. and So that was my beginning. Then I went to Manchester College of Art and got my national diploma in design, first class, plus a, a little travel scholarship to France. Then after that, I was accepted at the Royal College of Art for a postgraduate three years. Mm-hmm. It, I had a fabulous time there. And I graduated with honors. Wow. Plus a Royal College of Arts scholarship and a Fulbright scholarship to Parsons School of Design in New York. And I'd always wanted to go to New York. I'd always wanted to come to America. So I had a, another fabulous four years in New York living in Greenwich Village. They didn't have any textile design at that school, but my teacher... Emil Antonucci was fabulous, and so I studied graphic design and drawing and color, and he uh, encouraged me to take my portfolio down Madison Avenue to the advertising agencies. Oh, wow. One of my first jobs I got was designing a book cover for Tennessee Williams' Night of the Iguana. I didn't realize how great it was at the time, of course. I also illustrated four-page spreads for the CBS History TV. Mm-hmm. I, did, I did a four-page painting of Columbus, the, the ship Columbus came here on. I, don't, I can't remember what it was called. The Nina, the Pinta, or the Santa Maria? One of those three <laughs> ships? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one called 1776, which was the fighting. And they, these were all full-page ads in the New York Times. Oh, wonderful. I managed to earn my living because my, my grant was about to run out. I wasn't supposed to stay in New York that long, but I was having such a good time. I didn't want to leave, but I had to leave eventually, or I had to pay the money back mm-hmm. for the scholarship. Sure. So off I went back to England and back to textiles, and I, I started teaching part-time also, just a, a day or two a week, just to keep things turning over. Mm-hmm. I taught at Farnham School of Art in Farnham, Surrey, and the Central School of Art in Holborn, in London, and Hammersmith School of Art in Hammersmith, and Wormwood Scrubs Prison. That was a, a strange, uh, a strange job. I thought I could teach these guys. They were all lifers, which means they'd committed a horrible crime of some. Sure. magnitude and I was amazed actually that they'd let 
they employed me to go in there and teach art. Mm-hmm. But I had some really uh, good students, actually, in there. I wanted to turn them all into real artists, <laughs> of course, but uh, I did my best. And sure. they, were, they were good. They were good. Yeah, wonderful. How did you get back to the United States? Because you ended up in Los Angeles, and you started painting cars as one of your uh, studies uh, for your paintings. How did you get involved in that? I always wanted to paint in oils. I literally wasn't allowed to in England. Only only the guys got into the painting school. Hmm. At the Royal College of Art, I didn't apply for the painting school because I got my scholarship in... Um, in textiles, I just wanted so badly to paint. Mm-hmm. And I, re- I remember that distinctly the painting school at the Royal College of Art, it was actually in the Victoria and Albert Museum in part of it. So you could walk in and see all the beautiful sculptures and paintings and the history stuff and then walk down the corridors of the painting school smelling turpentine and linseed oil that I've never, ever forgotten. <laughs> It was a, a wonderful environment to be in. It was absolutely magical. It's so so creative. Mm-hmm. So, Nicola, you went through all this art education, and you were teaching and, and um, even teaching in a prison and uh, wanting to paint so badly. What happened in your life that got you back to the United States and started, you started painting cars? I was asked to come here by a man, and I was only going to come for a year or two uh, while he, he went to school. But I, I loved it so much, I just stayed. I, I was playing tennis almost every night under the stars near the ocean. And it was just such a contrast from where I was brought up. Oh, sure. Sure. And this was this in uh, California? Yes. Oh, okay, in Los yes. Angeles? So I, yeah. Okay. And did you start painting cars right away or did was were cars something that evolved no um what happened what happened was i was under contract to a textile company well it's actually a wallpaper company in germany so i i could live just about anywhere so long as i went back and forth to germany a few times a year Mm -hmm. and discuss the line that we were working on and and I'd leave, and then I'd do all the paintings, the designs, and I'd just ship them to them. I see. So that that was really nice, because it, it gave me the freedom to move around. Yeah. But I still wanted to paint in oils, and what kicked it off was a friend of mine's wife, who was very young. She died. She was only about 36. Hmm. And that, that was my wake-up call. I... Um, I just said to myself, gosh, this could be me. Oh, uh-huh. And I haven't done what I came on this planet to do. So um, I was really upset, mm-hmm. obviously. Yeah. And I decided to stop designing textiles and to spend two years living off my savings to see if I could paint. Because I'd never been taught to paint in oils. I didn't know the technicalities of all the the paints and the, the stuff that went into mixing and sure. stretching and coating the canvases and what have you. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of starting from scratch. I was living off the uh, opposite Fairfax High School at the time and 
in, a, in an apartment I was upstairs, and I looked out of the window, and there was this great big 59 Cadillac. I'd never seen one before. Oh, wow. And I, I went downstairs with my camera, and I took all these photographs of it, and I, I just fell, fell for it, mm-hmm. uh, hook, line, and sinker. And I did two airbrush paintings of it, one with cranes in the sky, which was a, something I brought over from one of my textiles. And the other I had a, a lion crouched down by the side of the car. Mm-hmm. That was my beginning. Oh, and the license plate on it was Vader, like Darth Vader. Sure, sure. Because it, it was black, it was big, it was... Yeah, very fabulous. ominous and yeah, and fabulous is a great yeah. way too. So, wow. Well, <sighs> what's really fun about this story is is you came to America and wanted to be a painter and were inspired by an automobile, which of course, cars, yeah, is all about automobiles. And right. And as we go further down your journey and your path, I always like to start our conversation with an inspirational quote. This is something that perhaps has been instrumental in forming your life or has some meaning in your life. And it's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah. So, Nicola, take the wheel. I'm, I love quotes. One of the first books I bought when I was like 16 was a, a book on quotes, oddly enough. <laughs> but one of my favorite is by Jonathan Swift, mm. who he said, vision is the art of seeing what is invisible to others. Oh, wonderful for an <laughs> artist. Yes, and I'd add to that, and I don't know who, who wrote this, but it guided me. Your life is what you notice. I mean, one can go through life just not seeing things. Yes. Yeah, that's um, wonderful. And I think for an artist, both of those quotes are so important because... An artist's job, if if you can call it a job, is to help those of us who view your art see things in the way that you see things. Oh, correct. Right. So yes. I see how those have, have been an integral part of how you have moved forward in your career as a painter and, and uh, being fascinated by automobiles and so forth. And I think that's fantastic. And I've, would you call yourself a car gal? Are you somebody who's been enthralled since you saw it? Maybe it started with that Cadillac, but is there a moment in time in your life where you really were instigated in, in saying, you know what, I really like automobiles? Because you've painted so many automobiles, and it's been a, a big part of your work. Was there one moment in time? Was it that Cadillac, or is there some other moment in time? Well, I actually always liked cars in England. In mm-hmm. fact, when I was a child, I was taken to the Southport fair, and I'd get in the bumper cars. That was my first. <laughs> my first car was a bumper car. Oh, perfect! <laughs> and I, I loved, I loved that. And then they had this like machine that you put put pennies in, and had a steering wheel, and on a drum, the road went round, and you had to steer the wheel and drive it around. Oh, sure. And I was really good at that. I like that a lot. <laughs> well, <laughs> I would imagine having grown up in, in the north of England, yes, where you didn't see a lot of vehicles, and then coming to Los Angeles, where there's cars everywhere, must have been a profoundly huge impact on on how you see things as an artist and how you were seeing things as a person. Well, in, in London, of course, so I lived in London um, 
one third of my life. Mm-hmm. Of course, there were cars there. In fact, I had several <laughs> myself eventually. I wasn't unaware of cars. In fact, my grandfather had, I think it was called a Lanchester. It had little tables that slid out at the, in the back seat. Oh, like a Rolls Royce or a Bentley. <laughs> yes. Um, I can remember only once going in it, and we, dro- we drove onto the beach, which was, um, it was all cold, and the, and the beach was always wet, mm-hmm. moist and hard, so you could drive your car on it, and we had a picnic there. That's the only time I went in his car. <laughs> Wonderful. I always like to uh, take people down some of the roads that you've driven in and really crawl under the hood, and, and perhaps you could share a story with us that during your career as a painter, you faced a huge challenge or even a great failure that that really pushed you maybe not to a breaking point, but close. But more importantly, I'd love for you to share that story with us. Take us to that place in time, but also tell us how you overcame that situation and what you learned from it. I had one where Aston Martin, I was at Amelia Island several years ago, and Aston Martin asked me if I'd do a painting of one of the cars, mm-hmm. which I did. They wanted a very California look uh, with palm trees and stuff. I sent it to England, and they liked it. And then they, they, ch- they changed ha- hands, and the CEO who took over also took over my painting in their office mm-hmm. and he didn't like the way I painted the wheel of the car with the tire showing. Oh. <laughs> the front tire was pointing, you know, to the right. And mm-hmm. um, it had a, a wonderful pattern on it. And that's why I liked it. Yeah. Probably something to do with my textile history. <laughs> it sounds like it. <laughs> he uh, came to Pebble Beach and saw me and, uh, and told me he'd like me to change the angle of the tire. Oh, goodness. So you didn't see the rubber. Mm-hmm. You just, you know. So they sent the painting back to me, and naturally I did this, of course. Mm-hmm. So uh, that, that was the only time I had real trouble with a painting of an automobile. You know, I've had several other artists who've done things that relate to Concours events, posters and things, that had very similar situations where they had to take the paintings back and correct or fix something that somebody didn't like. And I can't even begin to imagine the challenge (laughs) when you think that, okay, I'm done with this, I love the way it looks, and then you've got to go back and change the position of the car or the color of the car or the tire on the car or something like that. Right. must be very, very frustrating. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. Was there a moment in your painting career, specifically painting cars, that you had a what I would call a real aha moment? Maybe it was a certain project or a certain painting you did that really set your career off in the right direction. Was there a moment like that for you, that aha moment that really launched your career as a painter of automobiles? Yes, there is actually. I went to visit San Francisco shortly after I'd started painting automobiles. You know, I'm in this two-year span place where I was experimenting. I was just painting automobiles. I didn't think anybody else was doing that, actually. Mm-hmm. I had no idea there were other people, people that might be doing it. A girlfriend of mine took me to a car show in a field. 
somewhere in San Francisco. And I saw a man with a table and some easels. And I went over, and there was this guy who had these paintings of automobiles in the field. He was the only one there. I mean, there were all these lovely cars around, of course. And I went up to him and said, hey, gosh, I paint, I paint cars too. I was really excited to see somebody else painting cars. Mm-hmm. It turned out to be Ken Eberts, who's the, um, you know, the head of our Automotive Fine Arts Society. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, take your paintings to Roden Track and see a guy called Mr. Motter and see what he has to say mm. about your paintings. Well, I duly did that. I came back to Los Angeles and put all my paintings that I'd done into uh, my Mercury Marquee. <laughs> it was a lovely big old, big old car. Mm-hmm. And, and took it down to Roden Track and laid them out in the lobby and all. I was really nervous. But then they asked me if I want to join them at Pebble Beach. Mm-hmm. And of course... I've never been to Pebble Beach. I didn't know what it was about. But I said, yes, yes, yes. And so off I went to show at Pebble Beach. In those days, we were showing in a parking lot behind the supermarket. <laughs> and it's not a supermarket, but it's, a, it's the market that's at Pebble Beach. You know, it's sure, a, yeah, right down there by the lodge. Yes, but we were behind everything. Okay. You couldn't really see us. That. So I, sh- I showed there, and th- then they had to vote on whether I would be a member or not. But there weren't that many members at that time. Mm-hmm. I didn't get voted in. Oh. Uh, I, <laughs> well, I was doing paintings of Cadillacs, and Cadillacs are not a Pebble Beach. Mm, yeah. Uh, the, the, the 50s. Right, right. Cadillacs, were, were they're, they're not a Pebble Beach um, thing. Yeah. Anyway, I was mortified, of course. They then invited me back the next year. That year, they did invite me. Oh, great. Oh, good. Well, there's a, <laughs> there's a nice move. And, and that's a great segue into, and maybe this was one of those, but is there a moment in your painting career, your painting of automobiles, that you might call a proud moment? Well, winning the Pisa Helk Award... It was a very proud moment for mm, me. Yes, because your peers are judging you, mm-hmm. and at the time, at the time, I'm the only female in the in the organization. It made me it made me feel proud. Yes, oh, absolutely. I've had several guests that have been part of the AFAS and that have won the Peter Helk Award, and I think that that point that your peers are judging you is so important to f- have a feeling of success and. And being a, a female painter, a woman painter in a man's world, a man's world of cars, and, and that organization at the time must have added to that as well. So that's fantastic. You talked a little yeah. bit about some of the cars you've had. Could you share with us, what was your first really special car? Oh, it was a Porsche Super 90. Ooh. A, a ni- it was 19, a 1960. I bought it secondhand in London. Mm-hmm. It was a fabulous car. and. When I taught at Farnham, at that, I had to drive 60 miles to get to Farnham. Uh-huh. And in England, that there, there, were, there weren't police around every corner checking to see how fast you were going. <laughs> <laughs> so you were in that 356 <laughs> driving 60 miles 
uh, to teach every day and uh, having uh, some spirited drives. Oh, I had the most fabulous time in that car. One time I, t- I took it, uh, I drove all the way to Cornwall. I had my little poodle in the back. Uh, I don't know why I was on my own. I was meeting some other friends there for a little holiday. But we could speed. And I was a driver. I really loved to drive. Mm-hmm. And there was a, a guy who I kept seeing. And he kept up with me. And he would then overtake me. And then I'd overtake him. <laughs> and, you know, this is a long drive. Yeah, a little like, road race to Cornwall. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, when we were almost there, and uh, we were stopped, we all had to stop at a traffic light or something, um, he put his hand out of the car with his thumb up. <laughs> <laughs> like, and that was, that made me feel so good yep. that I'd passed the test, so to speak. <laughs> oh, sure, the thumbs up. <laughs> I don't up. know what test it was. but <laughs> Well, could you keep up with him? I think that was the test. Any two car people that are kind of, sparring back and forth in a little semi-road race like that. I'm sure he was uh, yeah. He was pretty impressed that uh, this lady behind the wheel of a 356 was able to keep up with him and, and have a spirited drive. So that's fantastic. What about seller's remorse? Is there a vehicle that you've had that you sold that you really wish you could have back? Well, all of them, actually. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, if you had to pick had- one... <laughs> Well, right now, I, I'd like my 62 Cadillac convertible back, mm. even though I probably wouldn't put much gas in it. Sure. What was special about that car? Well, because I'd seen the 59, I actually wanted to buy a 59, but you know, I didn't have the courage to buy a 59 because I would have had to park it, you know, it would be in my driveway on the street, basically. Mm. Sure. You know, I've got a driveway, but it... It would be open to the public. Oh, I see. And, <laughs> afraid to and, leave it out. <laughs> yeah. I would have been afraid um, that somebody would take off the, the those lovely red lights at the back, and <laughs> so I, I got I I got the sixty two because I I gave up trying to get the fifty nine. Sure. Well, the fifty nines had those uh, big fins. Oh, sure. I, I know exactly, and I I, I think one of the most beautiful. Cadillacs was the 1960 with the really big fin. Mm, yes, something like so the Biarritz, maybe. Was, yes, but then it got embarrassing driving it because people would wave at me, and and if I didn't have the top down, they'd shout, "Put the top down!" <laughs> and then it became difficult to park it. Of course, yeah. Well, those cars are the, big. They they have a presence about them. Oh, big, sure, they big, do. Giant cars, so fantastic. Let's talk a little bit about projects. I know in our pre-show chat, you talked about maybe two projects, but is there a project or two that you're working on right now that you're really excited about? Yes, and I've been wanting to do this project for 10 years. Oh, wow. (laughs) Uh, I had a lovely studio in London. It was a real artist studio with a north light, 20 feet high, 20 feet wide, and 20 feet long, two-story at one end. Quite a few movie people knew about it, I discovered. And, and one guy came to make a, a movie there. Mm-hmm. They put on the wall an enormous photograph of James, a face, the face of James Dean. Hmm. So it stayed on the wall. They asked me if they, I wanted it taken down. I said, oh, absolutely not. It's <laughs> lovely. 
Reminds you um, of those days as a uh, ice cream sales lady in the theater. Oh, right. Yes, it really hooked into that, I suppose. Yes. yes. When they sold the building, which was 10 years ago, uh, I had to move out because uh, I kept it for my trips back to Germany and London. I kept the studio. Mm-hmm. I decided to scrape the big photograph of James Dean off the wall and bring it with me. Mm-hmm. It was a big job because it was so big, and it came off in pieces, so it's rather distressed. <laughs> and it has it got distressed during its lifetime there because everybody smoked in those days, and I used to throw a lot of dinner parties in the studio. So it, it got really distressed in that color of smoke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. So I have it here, and now I've got to go in pieces, and I have to now go and try and find out how to uh, stick it down onto a canvas. I'm going to go to the Getty Museum, to the conservation department, and I'm going to stick it down and then paint his Porsche in it mm-hmm. and paint his um, Mercury that he was in the Rebel Without a Cause. Oh, okay. And then I've got a, an abstract, it's a very abstract picture of the crashed Porsche, Mm-hmm. So it's abstract. It's not gory. And mm-hmm. um, I want to use that. In essence, a tribute to James Dean? <laughs> yes, yeah. sort of. I'd want to, I haven't done it because I'm always getting ready for Pebble Beach, you know, the paintings. We have to have three paintings that have never been seen before mm, okay. every year for Pebble. Yeah. And this one's going to be so big and it's going to take a long time. Yeah. But I've never done it so now i'm doing it awesome oh that's fantastic now you mentioned maybe a second project yes i'm writing my life story oh wow (laughs) i i just want to find out about where i came from Mm -hmm. and stuff uh and i don't i don't have um family i know i do have family but i don't know them Mm mm-hmm and so I've I've got a lot of research to do on that side of it. Will this end up being uh, like in a book form? Yes. Okay. Yes. Wonderful. Indeed. Oh, absolutely. I'd, I'd, I'd also, you know, there's a thing about I'd love to have a a book done of my paintings with my textile designs as well. Cause they were very a lot of them were very abstract. Okay. Expressionist. Wonderful. Oh, wonderful. Oh, I can't wait. That will be fantastic. <laughs> now, Nicola, here's a funny question for you. And being a creative person, I'm going to expect a lot from you for an answer to this, but we'll see what you come up with, okay? (laughs) If you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why? If I was a car? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I love Delahaye's. Mm. Yes. And I love the red Delahaye, Peter Mullins' red Delahaye. Mm -hmm. So I think I'd, I'd, I'd like to be a collector car. Because then I would be, I'd be well looked after. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I'd live a long time uh-huh. because I'd be well looked after. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't end up in an old age home. <laughs> yes. I'd end up in a museum where people would look at me and say nice things all the time. Oh, I like that. Very nice. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, Delahays are beautiful. Peter has a, a tremendous collection of vehicles, so uh, that's a great choice. I like that a lot. All right, Niccolo, we're up to what I call the last lap, and this is where I fire off a series of questions, and you give our listeners some very quick blips 
of the throttle answers. So are you ready? Okay. Okay. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? I didn't get advice, but I soon learned that I should start painting other than 1950s cars Ah, with pebble beads. There you go. Would you share one of your personal habits with us that you think has contributed to your success? I work really hard. Mm. <laughs> uh, my, my first husband said to me, one day, Nicola, you're going to wake up and say, where is everybody? <laughs> and that's because I, I do spend most of my time working, and an artist, when they're working, usually works alone. Sure. Like I do. I've built my own studio out there. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's a very common trait I've heard from many of my guests Artists and people who do other things as well is hard work, perseverance, dedication. Those are the things required from an entrepreneur, and that's really what an artist is in many cases, an entrepreneur. So I don't know that there's a whole lot of things wrong with that. That's how you get to be successful. But I do understand sometimes it's a bit of a lonely world when you sit there by yourself and engulfed in your artwork, and especially as an artist, focus so hard on what you're doing and everything around you is just kind of gone you know in some respects so but uh, i think that's not a bad trait right how about books are you much of a reader and if you are is there a book that you could share with our listeners that you really found intriguing important or valuable to you yes actually i love to read and i wish i had more time to read um but i've been reading steve jobs oh his bio yes yeah great book Great book. Very interesting Uh, and revealing. He says things like, remembering that you're going to die is the best way I know to avoid the trap of thinking you have something to lose. Mm. That really saves everything. I'll remind our listeners that you can find these resources uh, Nicola has shared with us at carsyeah.com slash Nicola Wood. All right, Nicola, we're up to the checkered flag. And this last question can be a real doozy for some people. If you could only have one collector car in your garage, and I'm going to buy you whatever you want today. You can pick any car in the world. Money's no object because I'm paying for it. What would be that special car and why? I think I'm still going to go with the Delahaye. Mm. It is so beautiful. It's so streamlined. It kind of changed the way I thought about painting. Really? When I paint, when I, well, I did paint that, uh, I called it Delahaye and Death Valley. Just looking at the lines of the Delahaye, which are so curvaceous, and, and they reminded me of sand dunes. Mm. So I drove out to Death Valley and uh, took photographs there mm-hmm. to get the real feel. And I also got, took a friend who took photographs of, of me in lovely satin clothes. Mm. Uh, and that became Delahaye and Death Valley. Oh, wow. Interesting. Well, Nicola, you've taken us on a great ride today, and I've really enjoyed your stories. And I want to thank you for sharing your journey with our listeners. Would you please give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that beautiful red Delahaye? Oh, yes. In the end, there are only three things that matter. How much you loved, how gently you loved, and how gracefully you let go of things not meant for you. That was a a quote by Buddha. And my parting words are, the two most important two days of your life are the day you are born and the day you find out why. 
<laughs> that is absolutely beautiful. I love that. And I think for you, you've discovered your why is in your painting, right? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, thank you for those very inspiring final notes of guidance for our listeners. I want to remind our listeners that you can find everything that we've shared here today at com slash Nicola Wood. And you can find Nicola's website at nicolawood.com. Thank you, Nicola, for being so generous with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with our listeners. It's been absolutely delightful. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you so much. You've been very kind. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.